CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, March 28th is here and it's a big one. We've got the return of Terry Cosgrove, the pro-choice protagonist himself, to The Ben Jarofsky Show. The Ben Jarofsky Show brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what Ben Jarofsky's writing about, what's on his mind, and so much more. It's all at ChicagoReader.com. Hey, you want more Ben Jarofsky? Just head to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-V is in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Paul Vallis Endorsement Tuesday, and here's why. Guys. Another, day by day, more endorsements for Paul Vallis, the MAGA man who wants to be uh, mayor of the city of Chicago. Unbelievable, Chicago. You're about to elect a MAGA man. No, wait. I should say, uh, let me qualify that. Monroe Anderson has said he's not a MAGA man 100%. He's MAGA light. <laughs> Whatever. You're about to elect them, Chicago. Three interesting endorsements I want to talk about. One is Johnny Catanzara's uh Fraternal Order Police endorsement to John Sweeney of Operating Engineers endorsement. Uh, and then, of course, I want to close with a few words about uh, Senator Richard Durbin's endorsement of Paul Vallis. So one more time, Paul Vallis, uh, as long long time listeners don't need to know this, but he's the right of center, putting it mildly. Uh, lifelong Democrat. That's what he calls himself, a lifelong Democrat, except, of course, for the parts of his life when he wasn't a Democrat. So really, he's not a lifelong Democrat. He's an occasional Democrat, a convenient Democrat when it serves his purpose, Democrat. That's the kind of Democrat he is. Uh, anyway, we'll start with Johnny Catanzara has endorsed uh, Paul Ballas. Uh, Johnny Catanzara is the head of Eternal Order Police. Uh, this is a man, Chicago, just telling you one more time, who loves Donald Trump so much that he wears Donald Trump T-shirts. Yes, the president of the Fraternal Order Police likes to walk around with Donald Trump T-shirts. I think his license plate even says MAGA or something like that. That's him. I'm not making it up, Chicago. Don't blame me. Don't kill the messenger. I know you get really insensitive and your your feelings get hurt when people tell you the truth. But that's your guy, Johnny Catanzaro. And he is big time supporter of Paul Vallis. And he had uh, this comment he offered up to Jonathan Weissman of the uh, New York Times. And I am going to quote. Catanzara uh, predicted that 800 to 1,000 Chicago police officers would leave the force if Brandon Johnson wins, adding to hundreds of vacancies already awaiting the next mayor. Quote, if this guy gets in, we're going to see an exodus like we've never seen before, he said, predicting, quote, blood in the streets. Wow, that's even I didn't think it would be possible for the Vallis campaign to go beyond Bernie Eptons before it's too late. But I think they just exceeded it like they like a thousand cops are going to. That's it. I've had enough. I don't care where I am with my pension. I'm just leaving right now. 
Oh my God. Damn. That's your guy. North side. That's your guy. Kent Zara with the Trump shirt. That's your, <laughs> that's your new soulmate in the race to elect Paul Ballas mayor. Second endorsement, John Sweeney operating engineers. Now with each one of these issues, I get a little more shreds of loyalty. Operating engineers supported me when I got fired by that radio station, a name I can't remember. So I will always have loyalty to that union on one level or another. Personal. It's personal, ladies and gentlemen. They supported me when a lot of other unions wouldn't. That said. <laughs> that said. <laughs> the reasoning Sweeney gave for endorsing uh, Vallis is because Paul's approach to public schools. We agree with Paul's approach. End of quote. Let me explain this. Paul's approach to public schools is to essentially destroy the Chicago Teachers Union. That's what he wants to do. He's made that clear. He went he went to Wake, Illinois, one of the most rabid right wing organizations in the state of Illinois, anti-abortion, transphobic, banned books and schools outfit in the burbs. Paul Vallis went there. And told them that the key to their victories is to vilify teachers union and get parents to turn against teachers union. He's made it clear. He will convert union public schools into non-union charter schools because he views the Chicago teachers union as the greatest threat to civilization in Chicago beyond anything else. Why any union would support a man who's out to destroy a union, I do not know. But see, that's the thing about my beloved unions. You could always play one union against another union. One union will always think it has a strategic interest in cutting a deal with someone who's anti-union as a whole, even if it means that the union movement as a whole suffers. It's so hard <laughs> to be a lefty in this country because the other side is so good at manipulating all the little conflicts that exist on the left. And that brings me to the third endorsement. Senator Richard Durbin. Senator Richard Durbin endorsed Paul Vallis. I don't know why he did. I think I know why, but I'm like, it makes no sense on the surface. Richard Durbin is not up for re-election. My guess is Richard Durbin is not going to run for re-election when his term expires which I believe it expires in 2026, I think. You know, if I'm wrong, correct me. I know you will, listeners. I just can't, at the top of my head, I think he ran in 2020. I could be wrong. Point is, it's expiring really soon. Uh, and I don't believe he's going to run for re-election. You know, I'm pretty sure it was 2026 because he ran in 2020 against that nutcase. He did, man. Um, Yes, TC weighing in. I'm trying to be quiet until you finish your riff. Go ahead. <laughs> no, but it's true. That nutcase. Uh, oh, my God. Terry Kaiser was on the nutcase show. We have to talk about that. I forgot about that. Um, who ran for a Supreme Court judge. I want to thank the voters of Lake County for defeating him. I, uh, Mark Kern is his name. Yes. Uh, so anyway, it's all coming back to me. So my guess is, and this is sheer speculation because I have never even had a conversation with Richard Durbin, but I have dutifully voted for him down through the years. Uh, my guess is that Richard Durbin doesn't want anything to do with the defund label. And the defund label, we can have a long, long conversation, has to do with defunding the police um, 
a term that emerged in the summer of 2020 after the murder of George Floyd, which I think even the most ardent lefties regret that they ever coined that phrase. It's being used as a hammer to whack all Democrats, which is interesting because Republicans feel like MAGA people can go defund the FBI. Marjorie Taylor Greene says that all the time. Somehow or other, defunding the FBI is not bad, but defunding the police is bad. So very interesting how this game is played. So my guess is that uh, Richard Durbin just, I don't know, he could be looking out for Joe Biden here. He's just like, you know what? Let's support the law and order guy, Vallis. That will help defuse the issue of defunding uh, the police and uh, sort of separated from Democrats. I don't know. That's sheer speculation. Who knows? That's the only I'm bending over backwards to give something kind of remotely resembling logic. So will I now rip Richard Durbin for this? I have a confession to make, folks. No, I will not. And I cannot. I am physically and emotionally incapable of ripping Richard Durbin, even if I am so disappointed with his endorsement. Why? Because my my mom. May she rest in peace. Loved Richard Durbin. Okay, my mom was the quintessential Democratic liberal. She hated the Republicans. She hated the Chicago Tribune with a passion. And yet for some reason, at the from the 90s on, maybe because Oroiko went over to the Tribune, I don't know, she stayed subscribed to the Tribune. And every day she would call me up can you believe this trashy newspaper? I go, Ma, why are you reading the Tribune? Do you want high blood pressure? Is that why you're reading the Tribune? And then after Royko died and they put, uh, what's his name? Uh, Cass. They gave him that column. Oh, my God. Who is this? <laughs> the guy's John Cass, extreme right wing MAGA man, loves to eat raw red meat. You know, you remember that guy, don't you? My mom would never dignify him by saying his name. Who is this guy? Like, she didn't know his name. <laughs> and one time Cass went on this thing about Durbin. You know, Cass would like some right-wing lunacy on John Cass's. Who knows where his brain was, folks? I cannot be counted for where his mind is going. But he was ripping Durbin, and my mother was like, how could he say this? Richard, I love Senator Durbin. She had a postcard that Durbin signed to her somehow or other. I don't know who it was got her to sign it. It was on the mantelpiece right there in the living room. So she loved Richard Durbin. So folks, I, I can't do it. Even though I'm disappointed with Richard Durbin for supporting Paul Vallis, I cannot I cannot physically bring myself to criticize him. However, if Richard Durbin is to totally lose his mind and suddenly put on a MAGA baseball cap and endorse Donald Trump. Well, then, all bets are off. Sorry, Mom. And I think you would join me from the grave. <laughs> what happened to Durbin? Anyway, those are your endorsements, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody's wheeling and dealing. That hammer of defund the police is really a powerful one. And we're seeing it come uh, being used uh, here in the city of Chicago, both with Democrats be sort of walking away from Brandon Johnson because he may have uttered some of that rhetoric uh, in the past couple of years, but also guys like Johnny Catanzara tripling down on it as we get prepared to elect a mini MAGA man, 
MAGA light man or a MAGA man, our mayor. All right, without further ado, he's been so patient sitting there, rolling his eyes, shaking his head, ready to correct me for all the things I said wrong. The great. And he's free, by the way. He's he's a retired uh, personal PAC executive director, Perry Cosgrove. Welcome back, young TC. Thank you, Benny. Ready? I'm ready to go. Uh, you know, you did forget one thing about the FOP is that Vallis pledged that if he got elected mayor, that all these retired police officers, like hundreds of them would come out of retirement and join the force again because he was mayor. And then, um, oops, he forgot that that's been tried in, I think, two or three other cities. And guess what? Police officers didn't want to come out of retirement because uh, they retired for a very good reason. They were done <laughs> and, it, and, it, and they weren't all, all of a sudden going to do their duty. They were very happily retired. Um, I can relate to that and uh, collecting their pension and they weren't going to do it. So his whole approach to policing is is uh, completely fallacious from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, if you listen to the Vallis team, uh, Ken Zara saying hundreds will uh, immediately retire uh, if Raina Johnson is elected. And if you listen to Vallis, he goes hundreds will come out of retirement to join. Yes. And if hey, hey, Chicago voters, you're welcome to believe any of that nonsense. Yeah. All right. There's so much to talk about with you. Uh, of course, uh, Terry Cosgrove. I've said this many, many times on the show, uh, even though he can be exceedingly annoying when he tells me how right he is and how wrong I am, uh, is the reason why, in my humble opinion, one of the reasons why abortion rights have been preserved in the state of Illinois. He's got a laser like focus on abortion rights. I first encountered this man back at about I want to say 89, but you'll probably correct me and say it was 90, whatever. It was a really long time ago, and it had to do with George Dunn outlawing abortion at Cook County Hospital, an ancient fight. So we've come a long way in abortion rights in Illinois uh, since then. So we're going to be talking abortion rights, both in the Chicago mayor's race, because I think if Vallis, this is my humble opinion, uh, if Vallis is elected mayor, it'll be a step back on that front. Uh, and also, uh, Wow a showdown uh, race in uh, Wisconsin, man, that abortion literally is on the ballot in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, and that election is April 4th, the same day as a mayoral race. And why don't we start with Wisconsin and work our way to Chicago and also get your thoughts on <laughs> Alderman Tom Tunney, uh, another one of our favorite topics. Okay, that's working down. Let's work down. To yeah, let's work. <laughs> Tom Tunney, who will have you believe uh, that uh, he and Paul Vallis uh, were at the Stonewall Uprising uh, back in 1969. So before we get to Tom Tunney and his endorsement of Paul Vallis, uh, let's start with Wisconsin. Why don't you give folks the, the general overlay? This is a mighty, mighty big showdown, not just for abortion rights, but labor issues, gerrymandering issues as well in the state of Wisconsin's Supreme Court race. Take it away, Terry. Yeah. So let me start with gerrymandering since you mentioned it. So the setup is there is a progressive liberal Supreme Court justice, Janet Proisaic, um, who won the primary and in second place was a total right wing. Speaking of MAGA, he represented Wisconsin in their uh, in their attempt to overturn the results of the 2020 election um, by the name of, of Dan Kelly, 
who is running for the second time from the court. He's as right wing as you can get. By, he's endorsed by all the right wing groups. Uh, Richard Uline has given him probably 10 million by now, the right wing funder of everything bad. And so Wisconsin is listed as the most the most gerrymandered state in the state. They literally are a 50-50 state. They have six Republican representatives to the United States Congress and two Democrats from the city of Milwaukee. They are the worst in the country. So, I mean, before I get to the issue of abortion, so if if Janet wins, there will be a lawsuit that will go in front of the court around redistricting. And Wisconsin alone, if that map is redrawn, could actually provide the margin for Democrats to take back the House um, in 2024. Right there, it could happen just, just in Wisconsin. Forget the screw-ups of New York and California and correcting that. Wisconsin alone. Um, more than that, keeping on the 2024 election, is if Kelly wins, he's a MAGA, he believes that that the, that the Biden electors should have been removed and they should have been replaced. He's at the middle of the whole um, um, false elector scheme. If he wins and Biden or whoever the Democratic nominee is wins Wisconsin, there will be a lawsuit. And having Dan Kelly as the majority uh, in majority on that court means that Wisconsin could very easily throw out the 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 Biden or the Democratic win in Wisconsin and substitute electors, which would bring us to a constitutional crisis over the presidency in 2024. So this is the most important uh, ballot on the um, on the ballot in 2023, with all due respect to you Chicago centrist people. Um, Wisconsin is really, really important to the national scene, in addition uh, to labor, environmental, gun safety laws, everything. Wisconsin, the Wisconsin General Assembly is so right wing, they can override any of the vetoes of, of, of Tony Evers, the governor of Wisconsin, the Democratic governor. But um, going down, going to the issue of abortion, which is really defining the race. Um, the and everyone is talks about it. Uh, ben Wickler, the the chair of the Democratic Party of Wisconsin, was on TV uh, Sunday night talking about how abortion is the defining issue. Wisconsin has a law from 1849, before women even got the right to vote, that outlaws abortion in Wisconsin with no exceptions. If and there is a pending lawsuit that's working its way to the Wisconsin Supreme Court. If Dan Kelly wins, that means that 1849 law. So currently, abortion is illegal in Wisconsin because of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So women are having to come all the way from Wisconsin to Illinois to get an abortion or, or travel e even a greater distance than that because there you can't get an abortion in the state of Wisconsin. So if Dan Kelly wins, that means he will uphold this 1849 law. And if Janet wins, the lawsuit that's proceeding towards the court, um, she has said that she believes abortion is a private personal decision. She cannot comment on the outcome of the case, but she clearly, there isn't a person right or left or in between that doesn't believe, believe that she would vote to strike down this law. So that's what's on the ballot in Wisconsin. It is absolutely critical to our democracy it's critical to the right to choose, and it's critical to every issue that I think all of your voters uh, depend on. I was up in Milwaukee on Sunday canvassing. Uh, there is a lot, I've never had a better canvassing uh, experience in my 40, 50 years of going door to door for candidates. There wasn't a single door that we knocked on 
that, and this was a very middle class, I would say 90% white uh, middle class uh, neighborhood of Wisconsin is where we, we, we were. And um, there was a single door that got answered that people didn't know about the race. Um, and uh, there were a few, what was good about it, there were a few people that, that forgot that the election was on Tuesday, so we're able to inform them. And only two people out of probably the 20 that we talked to said they were undecided. Every, everyone else was voting for Janet. Now that's Milwaukee. We need Milwaukee and Dane County to win. So for every one of you listening to this show, I, if I could get down on my knees and beg you, I would beg you to think of everyone you know that lives and votes in the state of Wisconsin. Anyone that went to the university, anyone that's at the University of Wisconsin, anyone that that you know, um, an alum from Ripon that still lives in Wisconsin, any we all know someone that lives in Wisconsin. If you could go to wisconsindems.org or janetforjustice.com, you can send them the website. Please email them. Phone call. Um, early voting goes until April first. Uh, so people can still early vote until April 1st is Saturday, I believe, without looking at my calendar. And then the election is April 4th. Um, and so it's really important. This is a spring election. People are not used to voting in April in Wisconsin um, like they are in Chicago with our municipal elections. So it's really important. And it's very easy to remember, Janet, vote for the woman that's on the ballot. She's she's the candidate. So I hope that everyone will do it. And just to be clear, the last Supreme Court race in 2019, I want to say, the Republican, the Democrat was ahead in the polls leading up to the election. And a ton of right wing money came into the race, which is happening right now. The wingers are sending millions of dollars into the race and the Democrats lost it by fewer than one vote per precinct. Wow. 5,000 votes of the whole state, one vote of precinct. So if you don't think one phone call, one email, one text doesn't matter, then then you're wrong. Um, so the other thing you can do if you really want to get involved and you've done everything you can do for Chicago, although I want everyone to make sure you're doing everything you can for Brandon Johnson, the pro-choice candidate against the anti-choice candidate, which we will get to, um, but... If you want to do one more thing, uh, last night I was on a call with about 278 uh, volunteers from Wisconsin. Everyone was raving how enjoyable the phone calls were. People are interested. They want to know about it. They want more information. Um, knocking on doors. So you can go to uh, you can go to Indivisible. You can uh, Indivisible with Evanston is is doing. Um, phone banking, you can go to wisconsindems.org. You can do virtual phone banking with them. You can there's you can do text banking. There's all kinds of things you can do from the security and warmth of your um, of your home all after you listen to the Ben Jarowski show and maybe turn off MSNBC for an hour. You can really a half hour of your time could make a difference in this race. So I want everyone to it, it is so important. I I I think if I say it one more time, you'll probably say, shut up, we get it. But really, there isn't a more important race going on right now. Ben, your questions, your comments. All right. Here, so I'll make this general observation. Um, 
which I've made many times before, but I, I really believe Democrats should be aware of this. All these issues that make people vote Democratic are sort of tied together. And I've said this to Terry so many times, he's probably sick of hearing this, but if you uh, believe in abortion rights, chances are, and you believe uh, that's the fundamental issue uh, that drives you to the polls, then chances are a pro-labor Democratic candidate would deliver that much more readily than an anti-labor Republican candidate. And what happened in Wisconsin in 2010 is Scott Walker, uh, the then governor, was able to successfully chop up the Democratic coalition, if you will, and play factions against it. Very similar. I see it going on here in Chicago right now. And as a result, the state of Wisconsin went Republican. First thing they did was gerrymander the hell out of that state. So they solidified the Republican control of the state, which is really, uh, Terry, a 50-50 state at best. Oh, yeah. You know, but to your point, the gerrymandering is so effective. I think, what did you say, six to two? Congressional yes. seats yes. controlled by that. That's pivotal, folks. If you're thinking of just remember what Terry said. If you're thinking of Congress in 2024, that four to two, that six to two margin is pivotal. But they also did it in the state house. They did it uh, with the legislative seats and the Senate seats. Uh, and they were able to use that momentum to pretty much destroy municipal unions. Uh, in the state of, in Wisconsin, make it a right to work state anti-union. And as a result, Donald Trump was able to defeat Hillary Clinton in 2016. That's a big reason why he was able to defeat her, because the unions were so weakened uh, in 2016. And Donald Trump, of course, then uh, that's when he was elected president. So it's all tied together. It is really all tied together, Terry. It is so frustrating to try to get Democrats to see that. Well, and we have, you know, we have an, a perfect example of the differences can make in the state of Michigan. The state of Michigan, they they went to court, they got the court to throw out a map, and they got a much better map. And look at what we have now. We have a Michigan, we have a Democratic governor with us with a state assembly that will honor the Democratic Party's wishes, honor her. They are protecting labor. They're protecting abortion rights. They're doing, Michigan has turned around from in the last four years. And Ben, I know you know this, but I want to, Wisconsin was one of the most progressive states in the country up until Walker. It was the Farm Labor Coalition. Talk about coalitions. The Farm Labor Coalition, I mean, in 19... 77, Wisconsin was the very first state in the country to pass this. 1977, I don't know how many of your listeners are going to appreciate this. The first state in the country to pass a statewide law that protected uh, lesbian and gay people, on the on LGBTQ people now, on the basis of sexual orientation. That was 20 years before any other state basically did the same thing. And um, and also they were one of the first states to legalize abortion was legal in Wisconsin prior to Roe v. Wade. They legalized it the year before. 
So we are talking about a state that was was taken over by the right wing Republicans. And now we have this opportunity to turn it around it again and, and return it to its original roots now. Um, so um, I don't I want to beat a dead horse anymore. But please, anyone listening out there, pull out your address book. Think back. You know, Dane County and Milwaukee County, I really decided, although it doesn't matter, a vote anywhere in Wisconsin, Kenosha, Waukesha, Racine, um, anywhere, Door County, we need every single vote we can get. And we can win this. We can win this one. It, the organizing's been amazing. Well, I'm uh, your report uh, from your door-to-door uh, adventures in suburban Milwaukee. And again, you said, let's make it clear, it was suburban Milwaukee. No, no, it was in the city of Milwaukee. Oh, city. Oh, my bad. I thought you said Waukee neighborhood. No, not got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, well, then it had I, a very I, suburban feel to it. I'll tell you. It, okay. It, it uh, been, yeah. It, well, I'm I'm happy to hear that people under know the elections going on. Uh, there's always a matter of apathy and alienation uh, that's always at play these days uh, in an election. Uh, here in the city of Chicago, I believe 35 percent tops of the registered voters will determine who our next mayor will be. Just pause and let's think about that. Sixty five percent are staying out of the election for whatever reason. Uh, and I I smiled when you said that thing about that people um, <laughs> knew that there was an election, but they didn't know the date uh, or some of them were a little uncertain about it. Um, <laughs> we can't assume that just because we are. Uh, political junkies and uh, geeks and nerds, et cetera, and so forth. That everyone is, Terry. Uh, so. <laughs> but no, no, it's like... important. And also, it, it reminds, you know, the fact that we, we have <laughs> empirical data that when someone shows up at your door and you have a personal conversation versus over social media versus a TV ad, not, not versus, not against, but the, the fact that another human being shows up at your door or calls you on the phone, that ups that person's knowledge about it and commitment and then their final effort to actually cast a vote. So it's really important that, that, that and you know, I described this to the friends that I dragged up there that had never canvassed before. I said, even the people that were undecided and we know we have empirical data, someone goes into a ballot box, they see two names and they go, oh, I don't know, but I remember I'm gonna, give myself a little credit here, that nice man that came to my door and asked me to vote for, for Janet, I'm going to vote for her. People make the decision that superficially. So it's important to understand that, uh, you know, if they're against someone, you're not going to change their mind by going to their door. But it really adds that extra boost from what they've seen on TV. They might have read superficially in the newspaper that someone called them. In fact, my partner lives in Milwaukee. He got a postcard from someone in Illinois saying vote for Janet because of because there's so many postcards that are going in from all over the country to Wisconsin to Democratic voters saying vote. He showed it to me. It was so cute. Hi, I my name's Mary. <laughs> and I really owe it. <laughs> and I said, okay, that's worth another yard sign in your front yard. We went out and got one and pounded it in. <laughs> Uh, that's hilarious. Uh, that's almost like a wasted stamp, but whatever. I'm glad that it shows. No, that. no, then it makes a difference. It really does. No, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about to your partner, to your, that, oh. that uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, yeah. He wasn't going to vote for, uh, no. 
But you yeah. know what? It impacted him. He was like, hey, I got this postcard. I mean, he knew I'm a madman about this race. I turned his house into a campaign <laughs> headquarters. He's got to know. <laughs> he lives there uh, most of the time. And so, uh, but no, no, it was really great. Yeah. So, so we can do it. We can do it. And it's only one week from today, Benny oh, J. One no, week. We have six, seven days to uh, to keep up the momentum and get this done. Um, yeah, showdown uh, election in the state of Wisconsin. So much is yes. riding on it. Congress is riding on it. The future of electoral politics, yeah. presidential yeah. politics in the state of Wisconsin yeah. is riding on it. And abortion. I can just say the just the um, the energy. If we win this, this is going to be such a blow to the MAGA Republicans. It really is. And I mean, the stakes are so high. If they win it, it's going to be a blow to us. So it's more than just. I'm, Put just in quotes. It's not. This isn't just about issues. This is about what's going to define 2024. What's going to define the 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 kind of contours of politics going forward? Because we are going to have a lot of energy on their side on our side if we win. They're going to have a lot on their side if they win, yeah. because the stakes are so high. Yeah. Yeah. The stakes are are, are very high. com is the website. Uh, if you can't send a postcard, do a phone call, please make a donation. Uh, it is um, every dollar is needed. The right wingers are in there. Janetforjustice.com is the address. And uh, it's just a repeat in so many ways of the conversations we were having in October uh, of 2022 regarding the November Supreme Court race right here in Illinois. Uh, and we'll get to Mark Curran, your appearance on his radio show, which is absolutely hilarious. And, Did you uh, watch it? Did you listen to it? Yeah. God, <laughs> was it? Wasn't it? I'm still stunned at at at. Uh, go ahead. No, we. Oh we my God! It's. <laughs> get off. That uh, is hilarious. I urge everybody to check it out. I don't know. I got to give him credit. He brought uh, Mark Curran. I know. Lake County, uh, former sheriff, used to be a Democrat a long time ago. Uh, then he left the Democratic Party uh, around Blagojevich time. He said he just could not be in the same party as Rob Blagojevich, who was essentially became a Republican. Uh, and he and Blagojevich, of course, were tied at the hip uh, in the last election because Blagojevich has become a Trumpocrat. He's left the Democratic Party, too. So they're like all allies now. That's your, hey, ballast voters in Chicago, they're your guys. Mark Curran, Rod Blagojevich. And uh, Johnny Cat and Zara, this your this your guys, okay? Uh, your your uh, those are those are your bedfellows. Uh, I will get to Kern. Well, what and, surprised and, me? Let's like, just go back to Kern for a second. I mean, first of all, when he reached out to me and asked me to come on his show, I was like, okay, what's going on here? And he promised to be respectful. And actually, I thought, you know, and I said this, um, I thought it was good that both sides were able to hear uh, how crazy they are because. <laughs> Uh, no, no. It, it, I mean, it was Catholic radio. Um, so the fact that, you know, he was, and I realized his audience was skewed in his favor, but, um, but it was good that both that he's on record as saying he wouldn't say that a 10 year old rape victim should be allowed to get an abortion and all the other crazy stuff he said on that show, like, um, you know, it was just, and, and the, the white nationalism, that's what got me. That was chilling when he asked me if I was concerned about France and Europe being run over by, uh, by Muslims and no longer a Christian nation. I mean, 
it was just totally riddled with white nationalism and and Trumpism and MAGA and destroying the Christian nation. And um, but he did say that he had, he had a few friends of his that were Muslim. So um, I guess we have to give him credit for that. But go ahead. We're wasting well, time. Anyway, on- so, uh, OK, uh, let's move into Chicago. Uh, uh, just to finish the story, Mark Kern ran for uh, Supreme Court judge in Lake County and was defeated. Uh, and Candidate. as a result, uh, the Democrats uh, have a majority uh, in this on the Supreme Court. So MAGA can't do to Illinois what they're uh, trying to do. Uh, and Wisconsin. we won the second race with Mary Kay O'Brien in the third district. Yes, that's so, correct. All right. So let's let's move to Chicago. Um, abortion is a pivotal role in this campaign as well. Uh, so why don't you talk about it? you, have Brandon Johnson? And versus Paul Vallis and talk about how each candidate deals with abortion rights as an issue. Sure. I think it's really important to understand that Paul Vallis cannot be trusted at all on the issue of abortion. I mean, he is quoted on the Dan Prof show. <laughs> oh, no, no, it wasn't Dan Prof. There was that Illinois. Oh, God, what, what's his name that uh, that does that Illinois issue show? I'm for, why am I forgetting? Um, but at any rate, Prof is is quoted in his own words, we have it on video, that says that he's fundamentally opposed to abortion. I'm fundamentally opposed to abortion. And now he's trying to portray himself as a pro-choice candidate. I don't know anyone that is pro-choice that would go out and publicly say, I am fundamentally opposed to abortion. It just doesn't exist in the real world. And uh, he's got people who are uh, supporting him in that, which is uh, the, the the fraud of 2019, which is uh, uh, outgoing alder person Tom Tunney, who voted anti-choice uh, when he was on the city council. Now he is the spokesperson. A li- he's calling himself a liberal progressive supporting Paul Ballas when he voted for money for uh, President's Health, which is a Catholic health institution that, oh, denies tubal ligations to women who are experiencing uh um, uh, a cesarean birth and don't want to be pregnant anymore and put their lives at risk by having to come back two months later be re- and undergo a second dangerous surgery in order to get their tubes tied or oppose, uh, does not prescribe birth control, obviously doesn't do abortions, um, doesn't do any um, LGBT health care around enter, any gender affirming care. And of course, uh, does not allow people to choose their the way in which they would uh like to leave this earth. So, um, and Tony voted to give them um, five and a half million dollars. And it was, a cl- you'll like this, Ben, because you you were such a big fan of Ron Emanuel, but that was the closest vote Ron Emanuel ever had in the city council, got 27 votes. Yeah. And Tony provided one of the two votes that that passed on, so. Yeah, that, uh, I remember that showdown. And uh, uh, that was the first time uh, that Terry actually took a, a strong stance on the matter of TIFFs. He always teased me for years because uh, he only wanted me to write about his issue. OK, I was not allowed to write about any other issue. So he would always just uh, mercilessly tease me about my obsession with TIFFs and how they're used in the city and et cetera and so forth. But all of a sudden, look who got look who got converted on the issue of TIFFs. I did. I Terry did. Cosgrove, because it was TIFF money that was uh, going to uh, a presence. All right. So, um yeah, I'll never forget. That's when there's a turning point yeah. so, in your attitude so, toward uh, yeah, Tony. So, Go ahead. 
So uh, Brandon Johnson is pro-choice. Uh, he always has been. He was. He's been outspoken on the county board, and uh, so uh, we trust him and believe that he'll be more of a much more of a pro-choice advocate than Paul Ballas could ever be. I mean, on top of that, you know, saying I'm fundamentally opposed to abortion, um, he called J our governor, J.B. Prisker, a dictator when he was when he substituted for Dan Prop. I mean, first of all, he's now, Benny, me substituting uh, for you once on that radio station you don't want to mention was was because you and I were slightly aligned in our politics. But he goes on Dan Prof's show, who is a right wing nut and substituted for like two weeks, yeah. two weeks and made all these uh, horrible comments. This is when J.B. Brisker is saving thousands of lives in uh, in Illinois with uh, with. Uh, vaccine mandates and health protocols, listening to science, listening to doctors around COVID. And there's Paul Vallis out there calling him a dictator. I mean, because because he would rather believe the MAGA Republicans about COVID as opposed to the scientists and the doctors in the state of Illinois. That really pushed me over the edge, too. That, you know, that, that was quite enough. So the guy can't be trusted. I, I believe that um, I believe he'll be a disaster for the city. But I really want to focus a little on Brandon Johnson. I mean, this guy is the real deal. Um, he believes in equity. He is pro-choice. He will protect the reproductive rights of, of the women of Chicago. But I also believe that he will be a real calming force um, in the war that's been raised on the waged against the Chicago Teachers Union. Uh, at City Hall between Emmanuel and Lori Lightfoot, that, that that he will have a responsibility to make the Chicago schools work. He'll be able to sit down at the table, I believe, at the table and really work with CPS, work with the teachers union and stabilize the Chicago schools and also give comfort to uh, the Chicago police said he wants to work with them. You know, he's come out and said he's not going to touch a dime of their funding and really work uh, to reduce the violence in the city of Chicago. And despite all the millions that Ballas is spending uh, to say that he doesn't care about crime, um, it's all a lie. He does. And I think he'll be a real calming force. He's a good guy. His values are wonderful. So when you're not on the phone or email around Wisconsin, uh, make sure you do everything you can for Brandon Johnson in, these, in this final week. All right. So, uh, Terry, let me put this question to you. Mm -hmm. I have an answer to it, but I want to hear your answer. Yeah. Um, so we live in a state of Illinois, uh, which is a um, abortion uh, rights are protected. So voters in Chicago would want to say, well, what difference does it make? What difference does it make if the state law protects abortion rights, if we elect someone who is openly uh, in favor of abortion rights, like Brandon Johnson, or we elect a MAGA man who says he's fundamentally opposed to abortion like Paul Ballas? So long as uh, the state has abortion laws that protect a woman's right to choose, what difference does it make? I have an answer, but I would really like to hear your answer to this question. 
Well, I'll start out by saying, you know, we're really in uncharted territory in the post-world world because so much is happening on the local level, the state and local level. I think everyone listening probably knows that there are um, 13, 17 states right now that are either have outlawed abortion or moving that way. But there's also a lot that cities can do. Um, around making sure that access is available, protecting the, the personal health data of, of, of people has become really critical in all of this. Um, and there's also funding of to make sure that there are medical facilities that are providing abortion care. Um, so that is a county issue, a city issue. So there's really no level of government that is now kind of, you know, off off the grid when it comes to abortion care. And we don't know what other crazy stuff the um, the uh, that the right wingers are going to try to do, like arresting doctors in the city of Chicago, um, arresting women. There's also demonstrators, people, violent demonstrators um, outside of medical facilities that, that provide abortion care. Um, how seriously is the mayor going to take protecting those facilities from arsonists, from 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 uh, mostly men that are outside screaming at women and harassing them as they go in to get an abortion. So that, that's just scratching the surface on the menu of what can happen. So having a mayor that's a leader that says, we are going to protect the um, access to abortion care in the city of Chicago. And you know, I wanna point out Ben that, uh, that close to a third of the abortions that are being performed in Illinois, and it's growing every day, are from out-of-state residents now. Prior to Roe, it was 6%. Now we're up to um, closing, closing in on a third. That means that um, thousands of women are coming from Missouri, from Kentucky, from Indiana, from Wisconsin. And that's the other reason why this Wisconsin rate is race is so important because if abortion becomes legal again in Wisconsin, that will take a lot of pressure off um, Illinois providers for having to help out there. And then there's the state of Iowa. So every state around us, um, women are coming here in order to receive the abortion care. So Chicago is at the, is at the hub of that because we have a, you know, that women are, it's so, Women are driving 50 miles from southern Wisconsin to come to Chicago. Women from Indiana are coming to Chicago because it's it's right there. Uh, so it's it's really important. So let's hear your reason. See how much you're going to add. No, I, I actually um, uh, I think there's everything you're saying is true. Uh, I could think of instances where uh, a candidate who is fundamentally opposed to abortion uh, does not believe that it's a sacred right. Uh, could use the power that the mayor has on all these instances. Like, I mean, yes, to um, like a state of Texas wants to prosecute a doctor in Chicago uh, mm -hmm. for uh, providing an abortion to a woman who flew in from Houston, let's say. Yeah. Absolutely. This was a play in the attorney general's race. Yeah. Uh, Kwame Rao was reelected. If if the uh, um, if you got some right winger in uh, sitting in city hall who doesn't really believe in abortion rights is just saying he believes in it in order to uh, win over north side voters, uh, then push come to shove, he will help that those uh, the law the Texas MAGA people arrest a doctor. I, I mm -hmm. right. totally or can a see woman, that or a woman that came from Texas. Yeah. yeah.
Well, right now they're they're so phony and fraudulent. They're afraid. I'm sure it's because of their public opinion polls, uh, Terry, show that that's like a line. They even the wackiest wacko uh, cultists can't go cross that line, you know, like to say, well, there are some who do cross the line. I take it back. I take yeah. that back. But yes, you're you're right. It's it, if they if a really wacko person uh, in Texas wants to arrest uh, a woman who got an abortion, would Paul Vallis stand up to on behalf of that woman? I do not know the answer to the question. I do know that Brandon Johnson would. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Yes. And there's just also this fundamental point. And it gets to what you were saying uh, about appearing uh, Paul Vallis's appearance on the Dan Prof show as a guest host. Dan Prof uh, makes no bones about it. He's a, a total MAGA guy, as far right as you can get. He uses his uh, his talk show, power, far more powerful uh, outlet than I have, uh, to push the MAGA cause. And when he was out of town or whatever, I don't know where he was, Paul Vallis sat in on for him. And this was at a moment when the state of Illinois was like in the middle of its own contentious battle for like which direction we we're going to go on every issue, my friends, abortion rights. Like, are we going to have to wear a mask on a subway? You know, the whole issue of safety in our schools with COVID, criminal justice reform. And on every single one of those issues that J.B. Pritzker stuck his neck out. Paul Vallis was on the other side. And I don't know how, and this is me speaking, not Terry. I don't know how any North side liberal can vote for Paul Vallis and not feel like a fraud. Because this guy was on the other side of every single issue that you believed in. When, when you voted for Pritzker in 2022, when you voted for Biden in 2020, where was Paul Vallis? He was on the other side. Yeah, I think, you know, Ben, I think the other fundamental problem here is, and it speaks very ill of our politics if he gets elected, what it's saying is uh, a candidate can go in front of any audience and say what they want and not believe anything. And that's, to me, that is that is the layer of profound disturbance that's at play here, that he can go to awake, he can go on Genie Eyes podcast, do the Dan Prof show, speak at an awake event. And, you know, awake was was born out of all the anti crazy anti-vaxxers. Then they turned to their transphobia and now parents rights because parents don't have a right to uh, anymore, I guess, according to them, to do anything with their children because of because of uh, liberals and Democrats. Um, so he goes and hangs out with all these people and then sends out direct mail saying that he's pro-choice, always has been. He's always been a Democrat, even though he said on the same show, I'm 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 fundamentally a Republican. He says it. This this is this is him. We have him on a video audio saying this stuff. We're not making it up. This isn't conjecture or anything like this. And so now that he's running for mayor of Chicago, he's a lifelong Democrat and he's and he's very pro-choice. And he's got people like Tom Tunney vouching for him, which is a joke, actually. But so that to me, that is the really scary part. If he wins the message, it's going to send to everyone running for office. It doesn't matter what I believe. 
it doesn't matter what I tell people I believe because I'll just tell people what they want to believe from from week to week, month to month, year to year, and uh, and the voters are um, are foolish enough to buy it. And and when you have someone like Darren Bailey coming out and speaking highly of him, saying how he wants a mayor of of Chicago, I mean, what else do you need? What else could you possibly need uh, to say no to this guy? All right. Uh, so yeah, you're you see you understand exactly what I'm getting at the symbolic importance of it all. Uh, yeah. And um, so let's move on to Tom Tunney. <laughs> and I'm just I have to smile. And just at the role that Tom Tunney is playing in this campaign as the, the voice and face for Vallis to win over Northside voters. Uh, let me just point to Tom Tunney calls himself a, uh, a social progressive. OK, and that means I presume that's to cover up all of his anti-union attitudes. All right. His uh, so his more it's. Pick and choosing what you're going to be a progressive on. And I guess he's for kind of for a woman's right to choose. Uh, and I guess he's for LGBTQ rights. So that makes him a social. He just doesn't vote that way. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like we have, it's like people in the general. There's a few people in the Illinois General Assembly that that run around and tell people they're pro-choice, but they vote against everything or they don't vote. And and I don't know how you square those two things. I don't really care what you say, but how have you voted if you're an elected official? You know, I, vote I, I, uh, I, I know that uh, Tom Tunney was appointed to his position uh, when Bernie Hansen stepped down as alderman in 2002, I want to say, by Richard Daly. Uh, and his role was to be a rubber stance, stamper for Richard Daly. That was his role. And they knew, the Daily People knew, that sooner or later, uh, an openly gay person would be elected alderman of the 44th Ward. They knew that time was coming. So they wanted to make sure that when that happened, they had a reliable vote in the city council on whatever they wanted. And, they're, <laughs> you know, before... Uh, I'm doing ancient history here, and I know I'm losing a lot of listeners. Before Tom Tunney, there was a guy named Ron Sable. Ron Go Sable. read the history. Go re- Openly gay man, doctor, total progressive, the real deal progressive. And they were afraid that a Ron Sable type would get elected alderman and stand up with, like, black people, Hispanic people, school teachers. You know what I'm saying, Terry? You know exactly yeah, what Sable I'm saying. The audacity, he had the audacity to support Harold Washington. Yes, in the he did. Election. Proudly supported Harold. Yes. Before it was fashionable. Yeah. And uh, so they wanted a guy who would never support a Harold Washington in a million years. And they got Tom Tunney. And now he's like, he's got this flyer that came. It is hilarious. Democratic Paul Vallis has stood up for LGBTQ rights for decades. I'm (laughs) like, what? Are you kidding me? He was just on the Genie Ive show. (laughs) He was sitting in for Dan Proft. They, they, he is part of the same faction of people who want to use hatred for gay people and trans people to guarantee that MAGA gets reelected. Harry, I, I read this stuff and I go, I can't believe Chicago is so stupid as to believe this. And, you know, we love the first amendment that allows us to be on your show, but 
this is the flaw of it. <laughs> I mean, you know, it allows people in politics, you know, to say, uh, to lie through their teeth like this. But I have to say, I don't mean to interrupt, but I am really laughing my ass off, you know, quietly. Not not anymore because I'm on your show about this because I tried to defeat Tom Tenney in 2019 because I knew that he was a fraud back then. And I had all these people that called me and yelled, not going to name any names, called me, yelled at me, screamed at me, asked to have coffee and lunch and tell me what a mistake I was making. And I was just like, I didn't have any use for him after that presence vote. He lied. He absolutely lied. You can't say you're pro-choice and then vote like something. So I'm feeling personally vindicated by all of this because now everyone that was so mad at me in 2019 is furious. First of all, that he didn't support Lightfoot in the in the uh, runoff in the original in the February 28th election, and and worse than that, now he's supporting Vallis. It would be one thing if he didn't support Lightfoot for whatever reason. But uh, but now, although he was a big hero of her, you know, she was a hero to him at one time, at one time. And and now he's gone completely over to the to the right wing side with Ballas, which is where he's always been. I mean, that's really you you nailed it with the appointment you know, originally. Yeah. No, I uh, that that is a, uh, that's a deep dive in itself. Uh, which we don't have the time to take now, but I will address this. The North side turning against Lori Lightfoot. Now, I'm speaking as a lefty. Lori Lightfoot lost me as a lefty many years ago, like in the early stages, but I'm a lefty. I'm to the left of the vast majority of North siders. North siders are basically like liberals or progressives, whatever they call themselves. I see no reason why any of them would have abandoned Lori Lightfoot. None, absolutely none. On all issues, like all those, like uh, Tom Tony says he's a social liberal. On all those issues, Lori Lightfoot was with. She's pro-choice. She's a defender of LGBTQ rights. She's openly gay. She was pounded by MAGA for four years, unfairly, I would say, ridiculously, absurdly. They were using her race uh, and the fact that she's a lesbian against her to rally uh, MAGA forces against the mayor of the city of Chicago. And she's not a lefty by any means. Look at me. I, I, I couldn't deal with her. And so I just, Harry, I think it's so unfair that Northsiders turned against Lori Lightfoot. I absolutely think it's unfair. I can't see a damn bit of difference between her and Rahm Emanuel and Mayor Daley on most issues, citywide issues. They never turned against Rahm Emanuel. They never turned against Mayor Daley. Something's going on here, Terry. And it's at the heart of why it's so hard for Democrats to keep their coalition together. That Northsiders could turn against her. Go ahead. Well, there will be books written on it. Um, I don't want to do too deep of a dive uh, into it, but um, it's uh, it's history now. And there's been, you know, there's been a lot of good, uh, you know, there's been a lot of good reporting on it. I think it was. I want to say Franz Spielman, that sometimes piece that was done in the New York Times. So I think there's been a lot of um, a lot of good uh, reporting on, on on what went wrong, you know, with uh, with the with the campaign and the administration. And uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. All right, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Can I just tell you something? If you really want to hear the good stuff from Terry Cosgrove, get him off the record on a private phone call. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I will say one thing. We'll just I leave will, it alone. I, no, I'm gonna, no, I'm going to say one thing about it. I, I think the fundamental issue here is her politics were good. Listen, I've known Lori Lightfoot for years. Her politics are good. She's a good person. Um, I would not say anything personally about her. I really believe she she was the wrong person for the job. You you can't you know she she was a litigator. Um, you in politics you know for me it's like if someone called me and said hey the the body shop down the street needs a mechanic to kind of come in and do and, and and take an engine apart and put it back together don't ask me to do that because i couldn't or if i was on an airplane and the pilot had a heart attack no i'm not the one to fly the plane so i really think she just applied for the wrong job i know that sounds maybe simplistic but i don't think she she had the skill set for being a successful mayor. I just don't think it was there from the beginning. And again, this is not personal at all. That's why I'm using myself as an example. There's a hundred jobs out there that I would fail at. Um, and I, my skill set is matched to the work that I do. And I'm lucky that I, that I ended up there. And I think she had the, the misfortune of of a skill set that didn't match what you needed to be successful as a mayor. And, and she struggled with that uh, to figure out how to, you know, how to, how to be, how to become a successful mayor. And I think she just failed. I think that's the, the, and, and that's, that's my honest assessment of it without getting into any specific issues. All right. We'll move on from it. Yeah. Uh, I want to, we're running out of time and it, this subject matter deserves a lot more time than that we're giving it. But I know you feel very strongly about uh, gun control issues. And uh, I'm just reading the headline and from the New York Times yeah. called it up. Nashville assailant brought seven guns legally, including three used in shooting. A shooter who killed six people at a Christian elementary school was also being treated for emotional disorder. The National Tennessee police chief said uh, just I it's astounding. I was, I remember Columbine uh, and how, no, going back, Lori Dan, I don't know if you remember that. That's years right. ago. No, I do. I knew, uh, yeah, I knew uh, the, the guy that, that she shot and forgetting on it, totally blank on his name now. I haven't seen him in years. Um, yeah. And um, so the, the shooting that took place in Wilmette uh, back in, I think, 89. And then there was Columbine in 99. And it was like, it just was unthinkable to me that a, a shooting would take place like this uh, at a uh, school. And now it's so commonplace, T. It happens yeah. just like, it It just, it happens all the time. And it's, I can't even keep track of all the shootings, right. all the schools. Right. Uh, and I just don't know when will this madness end? Well, I have an opinion on this, as you're probably surprised. I really, um, every single doctor in the world can get up and talk about what they see in hospital emergency rooms when gunshot victims are brought in. It doesn't do any good. Every, it, every police officer, anyone that wants to stand up, any all the thoughts and prayers, none of it is going to be doing any good. There needs to be a single chorus that comes out of every doctor's mouth, every lawyer's mouth, every talk show host's mouth that cares about this is if you vote for someone who will not take automatic assault rifles off our streets, you're not doing any good. Everything else is pointless. Everyone knows the danger. Everyone is emotionally moved 
by one shooting after another. Is it every three days or four days now, Ben? I've lost track. The problem is that no one, not not no one, I'm sorry, there, there are definitely people that are politically active, but every single doctor should stand up and whenever they're interviewed on a TV show, any psychologist, I don't care what the mental background is or what, you know, um, anything about any of these people. The problem isn't their people's stability. The problem is they have access to the guns. And until every single person stops saying anything about other than voting for and candidates running for office that will take automatic assault weapons off our streets, it's a complete waste of time. And I think, I hope that message, like there should be no interviews that don't discuss just this because there's going to be another shooting in three or four days. You don't think that there is, there's going to be, and we're going to go through the same drill. I had the, I had TV on this morning and they broke every single segment because there was a new update about what happened in, in Nashville. Well, where's the update on where all the Congress people are in the, in the city, in the state of Tennessee on banning assault weapons? Yeah. Why aren't they being asked? Why is, why isn't every single person saying we have a congressional delegation, we have two senators, we have a congressional delegation that won't vote to, to remove assault weapons. Until that happens, nothing's going to change. So I hope all the psychiatrists, all the psychologists, all the teachers, all the nurses, all the doctors, all the talk show radio hosts, stop talking about anything else other than holding these people accountable, because it's not going to change until that happens. And that's yeah. my, that's my, you know, and kind of what we have done on the, on the pro-choice side, you know, you're not pro-choice, you're going to get thrown out of office. It's that, it's that clear, it's that simple. We don't, we don't need any more conversation about why it's important that women have the right to choose, blah, blah, blah. You, you don't vote pro-choice. You, you, you must be thrown out of office. And that's the message that, that needs to be delivered in front of every microphone everywhere. And that's the only thing that's going to change it. I'm, I'm sorry. It, the, the thoughts and prayers are done. The, 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 mental, um, the, the mental evaluations, the, uh, the, you know, the, and it kills me. They're talking about, well, the reason why this shooting happened because they didn't have armed police officers at the school. So, okay. So now every church, every synagogue, every church, it's not going to happen. You know, it, the sale of guns is what makes all of this possible. It needs to be outlawed. Yeah. And I would, then I would, uh, everything you said, I would, uh, I would agree with absolutely everything you said, except when you put the, it's this, the word kind of in front of, it's kind of what we did with abortion rights. No, that's what they did. That's my personal pack did. That's what they did. That is, if you did not, you, you guys put it out there. You go, no ifs ands or buts about it don't wiggle room no where are you on this position and you, you no want enforcement you gotta take a stand with us you you don't take pro a stand choice, with us no exceptions yeah. no choice no exceptions and this should be um uh ban assault weapons no exceptions just yeah. that's it that's simple there's we're not talking about it anymore either you you're you're doing that or you're not. And if you're not, then you then you need to be run out of office. Yeah. And I'll tell you, if they defeat a few of these high profile Second Amendmenters, the others are going to fall in place. I mean, the, these people care more about their their reelection chances than they do about this issue. They're just going where they think the politics is, which is okay. really sick because people right, are so dominating. 
let's close where we began. Why is the state Supreme Court race in Wisconsin so important? Because if you gerrymander a district, like the Republicans have mastered in state after state, you could take a, a minority opinion, like the cultist, the gun cultist opinion, mm -hmm. and make it majority. By successfully gerrymandering the population so that you undercut the power of people who are want this uh, weaponry uh, heavily regulated and maximize the power of people who don't. And that is that's the game of politics when it comes to gerrymandering, ladies and gentlemen, and you ignore it at your own peril. So right one more time you hit it on the head you began gerrymandering in the state of wisconsin is on the ballot right right and and everything else but i do you know ben i do want to say one thing because i know you'll probably get some tweets or emails but what about illinois being gerrymandering and i just want to say one thing but wait a minute let me finish not now you won't say it but I want to be clear, you know, the, the change Illinois and all the, 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 the good government groups that want is that it's fine to get rid of gerrymandering on a national level when all 50 states do it at once. But we like it in Illinois because we're we're the counter to Wisconsin, to Ohio, to to all, to all the red states. So until they get the red states to, to end it, then we'll talk about Illinois. But not, oh, we're not talking about Illinois first. 100%. We'll close by, hey, Chris Welch, thank you. Okay? Yes. Thank you. Chris Great Welch, job you. with that gerrymandering. I say it all the time. If New York well, had Chris Welch, it would be a Democratic Congress right now. If California had Chris Welch, it would be a Democratic Congress. And Chris would like, if you were on the show, he would deny it. No, Ben. Yeah, no, no, Chris, no, no. Uh, Speaker Welch did a magnificent job. He and his team in bringing fairness and justice to the state of Illinois, and, yeah. um, and we all have to thank him for that. Uh, yeah, so. uh, I wonder if Paul Vallis is thanking him. Oh, we need more mega people in the state. That's what we need. All right, uh, Terry Cosgrove. It's great having. It came on month after month when he was uh with personal pack now he's retired he's still coming back on how about that he can't keep away i'm feral i'm feral ben you know <laughs> <laughs> have me back whenever you want you know where to all find right me. we'll okay. bring you back to analyze the results next yeah month. absolutely right. hopefully it will it will be a good analysis yeah all right very good thank okay. you very Take much care. appreciate okay. it as always also want to thank producer chris outstanding job and as terry would say give yourself a raise take it out of petty cash peace and love everybody signed sealed and delivered that's another ben jarofsky show in the books don't forget you can download previous ben jarofsky shows get benny j bonus interviews and so much more great content at chicagoreader.com and find more from The Ben Jarofsky Show all over the internet on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.